Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. The boys in white and blue, and we're back for another episode, a Thanksgiving episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adamizer. And we kind of thought in our heads, that this show might go the way it is going. I said in last week's show, my heart was saying the Whitecaps were going to win in their crunch, win in their end game against Minnesota. My head was saying, don't be so stupid. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you're an absolute arsehole. And I'll say from the start, this episode, we're going to mark it explicit. It'll probably have swearing in it. One of the songs I'm featuring has swearing in it. So feel free to, to let rip. There's a few things I might get angry about and drop the few cuss words here and there during this recording. Some of them maybe not for what you're expecting as well. But we're going to get in talking about the latest Whitecaps disappointment Capping off a, a mixed week, it has to be said, said for the Whitecaps. Some stuff off the pitch not going down too well with the fans. We'll look at all that. We'll look at how the MLS playoffs kind of wound up. We'll look ahead a little bit to, to the future. Not fully looking ahead. We'll save that for kicking off from next week when we do our end of season shows. And we'll have a little look around the Canadian Premier League as well. But before we get into any of the football chat, it is... Thanksgiving weekend. We're recording this on Thanksgiving Sunday, not long after the Whitecaps match in Minnesota. But yes, it is our Thanksgiving show. So we always like to do these by giving some thanks. So, Zach, let's start with yourself. What are you thankful for this Sunday? I'm thankful for the Canadian Premier League coming to the Lower Mainland, British Columbia, in, starting play in April. That they're going to get round to announcing anything anytime soon? Anytime soon. Yeah. I, I have, Jess, because obviously I was at a meeting recently with Rob Friend, so I know the <laughs> announcement is coming imminently. <laughs> I would say within the next month, we're going to know a lot, lot more about this team. I would say that's a good bet. A anything else you want to give thanks for? Uh, my family. That's my, what I my... thought you would have led with, not the CPL, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, I thought it was one of those oh, football <laughs> 
Uh, no, yeah, my family, uh, you guys, uh, this podcast, the yeah, I'm excited about going to the World Cup next month. Yeah, Yo, we're gonna save that to later. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that's the sorry. big reveal, but yeah, okay, well, you, there we go, you're thankful for that. Uh, Steve, what about yourself? I've spent the, the past I'm, week pretty much in your hood. I'm, yeah. I'm thankful that I've, I'm still in one piece. Sure, and I'm thankful for Zach's family um, as well. Um, I'm, I'm I'm thankful that the Canadian national team is going to the World Cup, so Zach has the opportunity to go there. Um, so Leaving his family behind. Yeah, leaving his family behind. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's been a great year. Uh, podcast is going well. Uh, Got to, got to take some time off this this summer, which was cool. Uh, and so, yeah, I, everything's good. Good in the hood. I just want to kind of mirror a lot of what you guys said. Just thank you to everyone that continually listens to this podcast and interacts with us on social media. It's very much appreciated. And without this, we would just be talking to an empty room. I'd still do the show because sometimes it feels like I'm talking to an empty room and Zach's not listening to stuff that I'm saying on the show and says, did you mention this? It's like, yeah, I've literally just said that. (laughs) But yeah, thankful for that. Thankful as well for, I mean, the commentary's really taken off for me this year. So I've been very thankful for that, doing the League One commentary, getting to do the championship games there. Spent the week out in Surrey doing the under-17 national championships, boys and girls at Newton Athletic Park. Final is on Monday for both the boys and the girls. I'm doing three days, or three games, commentating on Monday. did two games today, so if my voice doesn't make it quite to the end of this show, that will be the reason why. But just thankful for for all those things as well. And you mentioned it there, Zach. Let's start off with some good news you're going to the World Cup and you don't have to live in a tent on the beach or even a sleeping bag on the beach. Yeah. I, I, I take it you don't anyway because that was one of the stumbling blocks for you. Yeah, I think I have a combination sorted out. And, oh, uh, that word think Steve's a bit worrying. No. <laughs> it's, uh, it, well, let me just say, it's not playing out the way I, I definitely thought it would, but it, uh, yeah. I, Does that I mean have... you haven't made John Herdman's final 26? Uh, well, I don't know about that yet. Oh, okay. But... But um, it's between you and Lucas Cavallini right now. <laughs> I'd fancy my chances if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least uh, they know I, you know, I don't see red mist as much as I love the color red. <laughs> I don't see the red mist. Um, no, yeah, no, it uh, some things are, are happening to make it uh, getting to Qatar uh, more possible now, and so I'm I'm really excited about about that and i'll be uh, obviously I'll be more excited to have a man on the ground that's gonna I'll, be fantastic yeah. i'll be make more sure, excited when i'm there but make um, sure you hold on to your passport yeah <laughs> well, yes. hey no i've been watching some documentaries on all that stuff um in, in preparation and like I, I have i have some questions about that guardian article that uh and then the numbers they used and how they used them and what went into them but yeah well i mean what, what we could possibly do as well, maybe in the build-up to this, our, our good friend Simon Fudge, regular listener yeah. to the show as well, he's over in Qatar, has been for the last year and a half or so, working for the FIFA organising committee as well. So I was planning to get him on the show to chat a little bit and get everyone hyped up for it. So I'll reach out to Simon, we'll get him on soon, and maybe he can answer some of the, the questions for you. Oh yeah, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be great. 
and just set the scene and get everyone excited for for that to come because it's going to be a a long few weeks off for some of the Canadian players that are playing in MLS that aren't going to be heading to the postseason. Lucas Cavallini, one of them in a, a Whitecaps jersey. And, I mean, we've talked about all the things to be thankful about. Something not to be thankful about is how the season has ended for the Whitecaps. And we're going to get into that now for the rest of this part. We're going to look at this crunch game today in Minnesota. The Loons coming away with a 2-0 victory. I didn't get to watch this game live. I watched the first 10 minutes live before the second boys semi-final kicked off that I was commentating on. Then I kind of had it on in the, the background while I was doing the commentary. Saw Minnesota taking the lead. Just shut the lap down, laptop down at that point. Thought, yeah, don't think they're coming back from this. But I avoided the score, rushed home, watched the, the rest of the game, primarily the second half, just in blissful ignorance of how it was going to play out. Mm. I think I I got a gist of how it was going to play out by the lack of seeming urgency and clear-cut chances that were being cut out by the Whitecaps in the early going. And of course, then Minnesota did get that second goal and the Whitecaps' playoff dream is shattered. Steve, just an immediate impact or reaction where a few hours after the the full-time whistle, just some initial thoughts on, on how it all played out today. Yeah, I was not surprised by the result, obviously. I, th- I thought it might be a draw, which would have kept them out of the playoffs anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, but overall, is just like, it, it, it there seemed, even though they were, there, there, there seemed a lack of urgency for this team. Um, I felt like Minnesota kind of controlled the flow of the, of the game and, and, and the Whitecaps weren't able to really do anything. Um, overall, I think a couple of coaching decisions uh, have to be questioned mm-hmm. uh, during the season, uh, during the you know off season or during this week. And um, there definitely is one play that should have put the Whitecaps in a position to maybe make a, a something out of it near the end of the first half. Yeah, we'll get into that for for sure. I mean, Zach, just your kind of initial reaction and thoughts from from the loss. It, uh, I mean. I don't, I don't like, like we were saying kind of offline together. I, I don't think they were deserving to make the playoffs. I think uh, it was a nice run at the end and they, it was good for them to, you know, to win at home on the last day and to still be in it going into the decision day. But I think there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. I think, oh, yes. I, I think the fact that, and we talked about it last week, the fact that Lucas Cavallini wasn't starting this game is pretty, pretty surprising. Uh, and I, I, I'm not saying that would have totally 100% changed the game, but I think that that's something that needs to be addressed or maybe it was in the post. I haven't listened to any post-game stuff. but And also, I think one of the larger conversations of really the whole year and, and a little bit longer, you know, is the fact that, you know, Russell started in the middle alongside Kubis, which doesn't feel like that's the best choice to get the most out of the team. Um, so I, I think decisions like that... Uh, I think when I saw the lineup, I was I was a little bit surprised. Not shocked, obviously, but at least a little bit surprised. Maybe not that both of those weren't different uh, selections, but definitely the, that Cava was not starting. Even if it was Cava and White, which I know has not been a great functional combination up front, um, I, I really think Cava needed to start. I, yeah, that's one of the decision-making things I was talking about, that yeah. not starting is a big thing. 
And clearly something that happened about nine months ago, give or take a couple of weeks, uh, a big part in with a shot missing uh, the last couple of games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, for me, it's like, although my head was saying they're not going to do this, they're, they're going into a place where they've played four games and they've only got two points out of their, their matches there and haven't played great in there in general. They've only had two away wins on the season you still harbour that hope just because it just kind of felt that everything had fallen into place for the Whitecaps so well. Four, three, four games ago when they had to win all four of their final matches and they were nine points back and it, they just needed so much help. Everything went their way and it was easy to get carried away with it just like it was easy to get carried away with it last season as well and thinking, oh, maybe this is a team of destiny and they're they're going to do this run, everything's going to fall into place and they're going to get in it. And it, it's just left me feeling flat, really, and it, I, I do feel disappointed. I, I would say, though, that, I mean, it, it was a tall order for the Whitecaps because they were playing Minnesota, who, as we regularly heard from the very loud Minnesota fans capo, Minnesota are the greatest team the world has ever seen. I think they could be getting done for copyright there. <laughs> and if that's the greatest team I'm ever going to see, pull my eyes out now because it's like football's not worth watching anymore. Because Minnesota weren't any great shakes today either. And I think that's part of the disappointment as well. They headed into this winless and six one point from six games, yeah. five defeats, losing to poor teams, KC, San Jose. So you felt this was the best chance that the Whitecaps could pass, possibly have. Now, just before we move on to the game, I want to go back to the Minnesota fans and the Minnesota capo. Now, Zach, I know you watched the game with the sound down. Steve, yeah. did you have the sound up? Uh, it was the most annoying thing I've heard in a yes. long time. This is my first swear of the show. I was fucking ready to put something through my TV. I don't know if he was mic'd up or it was, if it was just that his megaphone was super loud. Or his megaphone was pointed right at the mic. Yeah, like. I don't yeah. know. Cause, Actually, cause that might have been more what it was. Because you, you, you didn't hear any of the actual supporters. You just no. it was like one guy talking. You just had a very tuneless capo who really could not carry a tune just, just chanting the same chance they've got like four chants if you're gonna mic them up if you're gonna have it that loud at least have a better songbook for fuck's sake it was just so irritating you can tell i've not had much sleep this week <laughs> maybe i should start to playing he's an angry bastard and he likes it haven't done that section for a while i think i'll be bringing that back in the off season quite regularly i i feel it the rage rising in me but yeah, you missed all that, Zach. But as Steve said, yeah. it was very, very irritating. It was so annoying. It was like utterly like at one point I would just want to like like I have I've never wished for uh um like the high pitched voice of uh what's his name now? I'm drawing a blank from CPL, uh, uh one soccer. Oh Gareth Wheeler. Yeah, Gareth Wheeler. I'm not, oh, yeah. I've never wished for like uh, this guy was more annoying than him. Like I wish Gareth Wheeler was on the call so I didn't have to hear this guy. Because it was what? just like it was just like it was like over and over the same like you said the same oh, chance yeah, same chance 
It's just like, oh. But that's got nothing to do with the game. Let's get into the game. And yeah, this lineup. Had a look at it in between the, the two semi-finals I was doing today. And I tweeted this out beforehand. I didn't want to, to be one of those folk that says, in hindsight, rah, 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 rah. I wanted to get this out clear. Kava, not starting. Talked about it on last week's show. Mm. He's the in-form striker. Brian White, clearly not the 2021 Brian White. We needed that 2021 Brian White if he was going to, to do anything as, as the start of this afternoon. Now, Steve, you you said last week, and we poo-pooed you, that, oh, maybe they're just going to hold on and then bring Cavallini off the bench. And I'm not saying that is what they did, but it kind of felt a little bit like that because White was doing a lot of running and this is not not faulting the effort that White put in, but he just was not on his game. No, I 100% agree with that. I was like, I was more like, you want to like kind of, because you knew, I knew Minnesota would come out a little bit to start off with, right? So you kind of have a, a, a less of a team, maybe. I was, because I was concerned that Kubas and Gold might not be able to go the full 90. And I felt like this is a game that was going to, if you can, leave it till late and try to get that goal late or something like that. I thought that's how Sartini was going to go for it. That's what I was mentioning that maybe bringing some of those guys on later in the game. But, um, and that was just a thought out of my mind, like, you know, yeah. off the top of my head, out of the box kind of thinking. But I, Cavallini should have started because Cavallini, out of all of them, he can go 90 minutes. Yeah. You're not concerned about his fitness because he can make it through 90. Well, uh, technically, he can go 90, whether he stays on the pitch yeah, yeah. for 90 minutes. He's got the fitness. Things, he's got the fitness <laughs> to stay for 90. Yeah. Oh. I mean, um, it, it, it was so disappointing. And right away, I was like, ooh, that's, that's a risk. The other yeah. one, which Zach touched on as well, and this is just personal choice, but I th- I'm sure some others would as well. I would have liked to see Nowuso in there beside Kubis because 12 years into MLS, when Russell Tiber is your starter in a big game like this, there's something gone wrong with the building of your midfield in, in, this, in this team. The other one is like I mentioned it before. Shop, uh, it, I, like I don't like. I'm assuming he was in training this week. I don't know if he was maybe missing. Well, his wife had training. a baby. Talking about things that happened nine months ago. That's what I mentioned about nine months ago that caused him to miss this game. Yes. Um, um, but like, like was he in training this week? Was he? Or was I don't know. I've not been out to to training, so I, that one I can't answer. But yeah, I mean, he's the guy that's been brought in. I know he wasn't up to match speed, but. I think it should have been able to make the bench at least. Mm. Oh no! Yeah, like that—that's that, a, a huge, a huge loss for them. But I still would agree with I think what Steve said there. Yeah, it's got to be Leo Usu starting there to give yourself the best possible. I mean, if Shep can't Shep can't play, then it's got to be him. Um, and you're right, Michael. It it does say something. And this is not a. This is not trying to pile on Rusty. I love Russell Tyford. Yeah, before like, Har writes a, another article. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to watch Russell Tybert grow up as a person and a footballer the last 15 years or whatever it's been. Like, it's been a long time since I watched him start training for the first time with the with the first team up at up at uh, SFU, you know, when he was, you know, even before he was riding bicycles with sandals, you know, like I, like I care about the guy. I love I love the guy. But I mean, it's you were when you're talking about what's best for the football club, that's not it. Um, and maybe Russell wouldn't admit that. 
Uh, obviously, Vanny has has significant trouble admitting that. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it, they they cannot. I mean, we've said this about many things in the past, but they cannot go into next year with, with that with him starting in midfield. But can I they? I believe we said this about twelve months ago. And then well, we're like, oh, well... Multiple I mean, years. Yeah, we said, oh, he started this season, but that's just until everyone gets up to match fitness and then he won't be the starter by the end of the year. Yeah. And here we are. And, and again, this is not a personal knock or whatever. It no. is just a comment on the quality and level well, of football. what I said last week. It's like, these, it's, this isn't a personal attack on players like Russell Tiber. No, no. It's like a critique of they're not good enough for what this team needs. And it's been shown because this team is not a playoff team. At the end of the season is what it boils down to. Sometimes it's just not a, a like a, a fit with the other players on the field too. Like I don't, I personally don't yeah. think he fits with Gold and and, and Kubas. Mm. Um, the way he plays, like he's a good guy to have off the bench. He, he shown when you want to kill few, a game. He's shown a few yeah. hints of connecting well with Gold, especially this, especially this year and a little bit last year. But yeah, yeah but, but it's not up to the yeah, standard. As Steve says, there he's the guy that you want to bring on to see a game out. Yeah, I, he's way more valuable off the bench than he is starting. I mean, this is the Whitecaps' 12th MLS season. They've made the playoffs in five of them. So they're not even at 50% mark. And there's lots of questions about that. We'll come at some of them in the next part. The the game, it was a sloppy start from both teams. I kind of thought Minnesota would maybe go for it in the in the first five minutes, try and really pile the pressure on, get the fans behind them and just try and put Vancouver to the sword, get that early goal and then just basically sit back a little bit. The flip side of that, for me, what Vancouver needed to do was take the game to Minnesota, get that early goal, get the crowd a little bit restless as well and put the really put the pressure onto Minnesota and leave them unsure whether to open up to chase the equaliser early or hold on and try and see the game out for as long as they can and then push for it or, or whatever. And it just didn't work out for that for either side. It was just such a sloppy start. I don't know if it was nerves or what. Or it was just the quality of the teams. Maybe it was just that. that they, they Yeah, maybe they just cancelled each other, right? Do, yeah. do, you, do you think... You, we talk about how sometimes teams, and especially, obviously, the Whitecaps respond well to, like, to you know, a big match, a big occasion. They don't always respond well after, right? Like, like uh, for example both times after winning the Voyager's Cup. Uh yeah. last last year after qualifying for the playoffs. This year it's it seems like a little bit like hey they they got the big home win uh last week to make the la- like to, to make the last game of the season essentially a playing game and yet the playing game was a, a significant drop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the many disappointments from today like the, like people people the thing is with them is saying that they the playoff started today it was maybe the worst thing they could have done uh, because it's put them in that position of you have to win to get because yeah, i reckon the playoffs is so good yeah one playoff win from those five appearances but mid- a couple years. of horrendous goalless draws that i'll never move on from there's three things I want to mention from the first half in this, and the first one is the opening goal. 17 minutes in, Frajapani. Kubis is dispossessed. The ball comes to Frajapani, and he's allowed to run and run and run, unchallenged, 15 to, to 20 yards. The Whitecaps, Norwinsky, Ranko, they're, they're just backing off him, allowing him 
to run to the edge of the box, fires one off, bottom left-hand corner. A few things to, to talk about in regards to that. Should Hassal have done better? For me, if a keeper gets beaten long range at his near post, I always think keeper could have done better with that. But first of all, let, let's just talk about the space that Frajapani had to, to run in and get that shot off. Well, first off, is, is there any, I don't think there necessarily is, but I think we had to ask the question, is there any shout of a foul on Kubas? I watched it back a couple of times because I did wonder that myself. When I saw it live with the sign down up at, at Newton, I thought, oh, was he not bundled over there? And I wanted to yeah. watch it back when I got no, home. I, I actually don't and think I'm 50, he was fifty on it. No, I don't think he was because the the way he took the ball was very odd to me. Usually, you know, you take the ball there, you're moving forward. He actually put the ball back towards his own net off the mm. off the, his touch. And when he did that, uh, Frangiapani or uh, basically just basically this uh, was it Frangiapani that took the ball away? I can't remember. No, no, it was, no. Uh, I think well, Reneso was uh, involved in that. I can't remember. Yeah, if it was, was Reneso. Yeah, it was Reneso. Yeah, so Reneso basically um, the ball came off Cubas. Uh, went kind of away from him towards the white caps net. And that's where he was able to, the bundling yeah. over happened after he already taken the ball away from me. So yeah. I think it was a clean, yeah. it was a clean officially gets credited with the assist. Yeah. So it was a yeah. clean, it was a clean pick off. Like it was like, we picked it off him pretty so, easily. Yeah. And there was there, no one appealing for it. No. Either, yeah. But so Michael, so and, Michael, you, you and, and, the, and the thing is about the defense, they were already backed up because the, the Kubas is basically oh, yeah. your last line. But the fact yeah. is, like, they're ready to, like, go forward in this case. But but you were right. They did back up a little bit too much. And I, th- maybe I think the- Jake could have committed himself to try and get a tackle in. Yeah. And J- not leave themselves in too much but, bother. But, but there was, the, with Jake, there was also another player. Uh, yeah, it was an overlapping well. player. And- yeah. Uh, Armelia or something like that, whatever their, their striker yeah. is. Uh, so he was... So he, he, if he had gone there, then that that player could have been open, and then, then you basically free on. But there's a the worst angle in that case. So I don't know. It's it's. I think Veselinovic has something to do with that yeah. too. He should have moved up. I think Blackman should have mm. probably jumped a little bit, you know, quicker to to react better to the thing. Um, Hassal, my problem is Hassal is basically the goal based. It was a perfect placement of the goal. Like you, he like, and he put it back towards the opposite way he was going. So he kind of like went cross body on the shot. And it's very hard to make those saves when you're the, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't side netting, but it was, it was very, I agree. It was, the big, it was the big, very big, close to side netting. Yeah. It was like within the, like two feet. The first problem is, is that Kubis loses the ball and you're right. He is the one that the whole system is set up to shield the back four. So that's why I think there initially is space. I think also though, I think two things, one, as our friend, uh, aforementioned friend Simon Fudge has pointed out to lots, I think Michael is. Uh, I think this showed some of maybe the lack of quality of Ranko. I think the way he backs off and the space he gives him, uh, and just allowing him to shoot uh, f- after he won the ball with that. It's kind of space. a half-hearted effort he makes to go for it. As well, he, as so, well. he backs off and gives him so much room, and then finally moves forward. And Jake. So what happens with Jake is, yeah, he's with that man, but Jake actually leaves that man. If you watch it, he actually mm-hmm. leaves he the number nine, the attacker, middle. to go to the middle. But he's then he's sort of like, well, this is Ranko's area. That's why I don't think he dove yeah. in because it was yeah, like, you're right. Ranko's space. So you, I, you're you're 100 right on that. Jake, Jake totally left the guy he was supposed to cover yeah. by staying there, and then he just was in like no man's land. Yeah, and he was like, well, I can't. If he, I think he almost like, well, I can't dive in front of Ranko. 
I think that's why he didn't do like, you know, make a lunge or, or anything or do kind of any drastic members. But ultimately, yeah, you have your stalwart uh, holding midfield to give it the ball, which creates tons of space. And then they exploit it. And Ranko, I think, needs to take the blame for not stepping up into that into that gap and, and filling it quicker and not allowing that type of shot to happen. For, for me, though, the, uh, the majority of blame goes to Kubis in this one. It has to go to Kubis. He did not protect the ball. He should have moved the ball forward instead of letting it go backwards. So it was just a bad touch on him. Yeah. It left the, the back line basically in. And I don't think this back line is good enough to react like that in, in when something like drastic like that happens, like a turnover. It, so, it, yeah, so I think it's Kubis gets probably the... Uh, more than 60 70% of the blame on for this. me it's a ranko a little bit more because i agree with you it was it was poor from kubis to give it away but for ranko to leave that much space and not challenge is to me a worse uh, more inexcusable to me yeah I but just, like i just blame everyone yeah i think kubis is the better player and he should have done better with it that's why that's, I oh that's more yeah. Yeah. that's another valid point i mean yeah. vani said afterwards we made a mistake we gave away the ball in the first half we conceded the goal i mean that's it boils down to that they, they had a chance a minute later to, to maybe get an, at least an effort and goal, but maybe get back onto level terms. And it just kind of sums up the season that Brian White has. He's Belgium, racing her and goal and he just <laughs> slips. Yeah. It's just un- unfortunate. And Would Lucas Cavallini have slipped? I don't oh, know he, if he would he, have he would, slipped, he would have but I think... He the guy and just yeah, let the guy. I think like that's where we're talking about. Like White has to be in a certain spot to score. Where Cavallini can run with the ball. Yeah, he can make more things happen yeah. as as well. For for all the criticism I have of Cavallini, and I'll reiterate, I, I don't want him back at the club next year. I still would have started him today, and I think he would have been better for the Whitecaps with what they needed. I think the if Vite had, the, had the ball there, I think he would have done better yeah. too. So, yeah. yeah. The last thing I want to talk about from the white half, which is really, or the first half, the white half. White half. Um, it involves White going down the box again. And I mean, th- this is a big talking point. And you don't like to kind of clutch at straws or try and say referee error or whatever. But Will Trap challenges Brian White in the box. White goes down a heap. The ball breaks to Ryan Gold, who just narrowly misses the, the right post. Now, after the game, Vanny said he felt it was a penalty, but he also felt that Ryan Gold basically should have put that in the back of the net as well, which is both fair shouts, I think, for me. But do, do you feel it, it was a penalty? Are we wearing blue-tinted glasses here? Was there enough contact that it would have been deemed clear and obvious on the pitch because the the Mon- the Minnesota pool reporter did put the question to the referee and or the VAR people and it came back saying that VAR did review it from multiple angles and it wasn't deemed that there was sufficient contact or any contact for it to be a clear and obvious decision. For me there was definite contact. I don't know how you could say any contact if that was the terminology they used. Um, for I'll me, get, I'll get the exact quote. Up yeah. Here, so White had definite possession of the ball. So he had a touch. He he was good, not gonna. He was not losing it. He was running after the ball, and Trap came basically lunging into the challenge. It wasn't close to the ball, and definitely made contact with White. So for me, I don't see how that's not a penalty. I've seen that called so many times, um, especially I think 
a lot in MLS, a lot in international, maybe not so much in the leagues, maybe Premier League. I, when I used to watch it, I didn't see that much of that, but definitely in most of those leagues, there was, that would have been a penalty. Here's the exact uh, quote from Alan Chapman, who was asked after it by the pool reporter Jacob Schneider. VAR checked the various angles and with the footage available to him, was unable to identify clear foul contact. Therefore, the VAR could not determine that the on-field decision was a clear and obvious error. Now, the issue I have here is there doesn't necessarily have to be contact for it to be a foul and a penalty. You're, you're correct in that. I've seen foul, I've seen penalties given for players lunging in that made a player like a, like a void. Because he thing. did lunge in. He, he left his yeah. feet. He jumped I, into I, that to, tackle. But to me, the, the thing is a couple of things. One, uh, it's pretty clear from like Brian uh, Brian White is not uh, not someone I think who fakes, so it, it looks pretty clear like there's contact. Yeah. Um, now it might have been contact on the follow through and not the initial thing, not the initial kind of lunge. Um, isn't that isn't the follow through part of it too? Yeah, I don't know. That, I don't, that then takes I've him seen, out of the play. He can't yeah, then go and, I, and right. the ball down. But I I don't understand when they said look at all angles. I think there's only two angles that, well, that showed. So, on the well, broadcast. we were only shown two, and that's the problem. And I I do I do agree that if you look at it from the the face on angle, you don't. I because I I watched it back about five times and I paused it at different bits. You don't actually see any contact being made from that angle, but there's a lot of other bits in the way that kind of makes it a little bit difficult. White's legs certainly go under from the back of him. Maybe yeah. he did embellish it slightly and maybe he just embellished it he, a little bit too much. He'd be very uh, agile and White's not known to be agile. So <laughs> yeah, that's I, true. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see how he could have done that. Like, like it, it, it looks like there's clear contact. And it, it, I, I, again, I was watching the sound down. I could not understand. I, I, I couldn't, I didn't turn the sound up, but I could not understand how could, they could not, like, not, not well, actually we all, call that as a penalty. I it wasn't understand. even Ted Uncle that was on the VAR. Exactly. Yeah. But we did have some, uh, Petrescu as the fourth official. Mm. So that, mm. that was maybe the I mean, the, the other thing for me, that the, the reason that this is so huge, could have been a penalty for the Whitecaps. Now, there's not a guarantee they were going to score it. But if that was a penalty, for me, that's a second yellow for Will Trap. And yeah. he's oh, right, yes. And then yes. Minnesota's playing a half with 10 men. And then Which, if the Whitecaps do get the penalty, they're level and they've got a man advantage in the second half. Now, well, a, a lot of so, ifs there. And if the if the Queen had ball, she'd be the king. Funnily enough, she does now. So there we go. Penalty, Whitecaps were robbed. Yeah, and the thing is for me, it's like they scored, that would have been an advantage to the Whitecaps. They were they would have been a man up, that would have been a disadvantage to the Whitecaps. So <laughs> I'm not sure if like it would have been even, even out of Yeah, because that man was Russell Tiber. Yeah. But as we've learned this weekend, when you have a yellow card, you could take down a man in the box or you can kick a guy in the face. It's okay. Yeah. You, you can do anything like that. It's, it's totally okay. So that was a, a tough ending to the first half. Now, I mean, I how were you guys feeling? I didn't think they were going to come back and do it. Did you have any hope that they could do it, knowing what kind of second half performances they have put in this this season? I thought that the, the I think I thought the the loons or whatever just basically shut them down. I did not see it. Uh, they needed two goals essentially at that point. Mm -hmm. um, they, one goal was not going to be enough, so they needed two goals. So for me, it, it was basically uh, it was done and dusted even before that second goal. 
uh, that they scored came in the second half. It was busy done. I I no I I I think I can't remember what my preview or my prediction was last week. I thought it was I thought I thought uh, Minnesota was going to win by a goal or maybe two. Um, but no, I I didn't have. I mean, I felt like Vancouver was robbed on that play, but I don't. I didn't see them coming back into things and 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 winning. They only had two wins all season when they were trailing at the half as well. So again, it was kind of like a, a tall order. And I won't go through much of the second half. Again, just a couple of things I want to pick out. Fifty seventh minute. It was a route one move, and I, I'm very clear in in my belief of this route one football does have a part to play in the modern game it can be very effective at times and it can catch teams out because so many teams play their their fancy football these days and it was very much route one from the white caps thomas asal kicks it forward long kick forward brian white a lovely little flick on what we've seen brian white do last year when he got those assists right into the path of pedro viti he bears in on goal it's not a great shot in the end, and Sinclair makes the save, and the the dangers averted. Yeah, it was a nice play, and I agree with you. Uh, being direct in football, I mean, even some of the most uh, teams who possess the ball the most are are, are quite direct in their. Yeah. Well, the first goal play. by Minnesota was direct play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we ran right into the box. We ran towards the box. I mean, long balls forward can be very effective if you've got the the right players to get on the end of them. And Vite is starting to come onto his game as well. And hopefully this big gap now into next season is not going to derail his game a little bit. But I mean, neither side by this point were really doing very much. Minnesota didn't have to. They only needed a point. They were already leading. So, I mean, they didn't have to do much. The onus was on the Whitecaps to take the game to Minnesota. And I feel they failed in doing that. Cava came on just past the hour mark and within about a minute of him coming on, he showed that danger that he can be as the the ball comes into him. He has a header, which I think he should have done better with and got on target, but then it falls to White at the back post who's in an offside position. Outstretched leg, crashes off the, the woodwork, doesn't really matter, the flag was up anyway, but I think Cava should have buried that. Yeah, you're hoping for Cavallini, better effort from Cavallini on that one. The, the, it, he was a little bit on his back feet when he was doing the header. He wasn't in perfect position to do the header, but um, you needed it to be on goal. Because uh, if I think, but even if it was on goal, and because St. Clair was in a good position to stop it too. So I don't know if it would have been gone in, but you would have hoped for something on that at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was almost as good as it got really for the Whitecaps. Minnesota got their second, 77th minute, Jonathan Gonzalez. Dolly described it on the commentary as hard luck in the white caps. And it was in that it took a deflection and it went straight into the, the path of Gonzalez. But I don't think the white caps really deserved to get anything more out of the game. Maybe 2-0 flattered Minnesota, but I think they were worthy of their win, really. Yeah, I think I think the... They were. I think the, I think the better team won today, and I think, I mean, I don't know. Minnesota will go very far in the playoffs, but um, nah. uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, I think their game will be interesting. Yeah, that second goal was just the, the team being, you know, trying to go for that first, and they got pulled apart, got totally out of position. Yeah, and I think that basically just cinched it in. 
Uh, I'm not sure what uh, I think it was Veselinovich that like jumped half did yeah. a half jump, and I don't know what he was trying to do, but um, yeah, just it's clearly nothing that could be done by either the goalie or the other defender in the box. It was just it was perfectly looped right to the whoever scored it. I think it was uh, Gonzalez or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Gonzalez. I mean, it was game over by that point. I shouted up yeah. to Caitlin, "Okay, you can get the dinner on now." So I mean, that that was it, done and dusted. Disappointing end to the season. We'll delve into a little bit more and what this might mean to the Whitecaps moving forward after this. Hi, I'm Lucas Cavallini. You're listening to the AFD Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, a band from Dublin in Ireland. I've gone back to 1995 for this song. I had it playing in my head as I was driving home because I thought, oh, what songs will I pick for the show? And I, I thought, oh, I'm pretty sure the the Whitecaps aren't going to have turned this around. So th- this song instantly sprang to mind. It's a B-side from the band's single, We Don't Need Nobody Else, and they're called Whipping Boy. The song's called Disappointed, so that works in two ways, I, I guess, for, for the Whitecaps for this term as well. And the lyrics of the song, A disappointment to me, you're a disappointment, such a disappointment. And I, I've got to say, I mean, folk may feel it's a bit harsh, but that is... It's how I'm feeling just now. The, the team built us up like they did last year. And when it really mattered, they let everyone down and they disappointed again. They didn't play to the levels that we've seen them play, albeit that was at home for the last three games where they really did sort of reach the, those levels. The question I wanted to, to ask you guys to kick off this part, it was disappointing last year the way they went to Sporting KC and didn't really turn up and it just fell flat after such a fantastic 10-match streak to get into the into the playoffs. Now, this wasn't a playoff game, but in all intents and purposes, like, it was. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it basically was a play-in game. It basically was the playoffs. What was the biggest disappointment to you? Last year, crash burning in KC. This year, crash and burning in Minnesota. What was the score in KC? 
last year? I think it was two 0 I will double yeah. check that. Similar. Uh but the thing is the thing is with KC is like that that was more like it felt like they, they they did accomplish something by making the playoffs here, even though you could call it a playoff game, it still is a lack of accomplishment of finishing getting over the line. Um the other thing is disappointing is that I really feel like they're like we talked about the missed chances, we talked about the mistakes and everything. Honestly, like if you look at the stats of this game, the Whitecaps aren't that far off. Like they, no. the possession was even. They had more uh, shots on target. More shots on target, passing. They made more passes. Accuracy was about three point three percent difference better for Minnesota. Um, but like they should have, they should have done better. Um, if but I think it was just lacking up top, and that's where mm-hmm. we talked about it in the first part where. If you have a striker who's in better form and and considered the better striker starting the whole game, I think that makes a big difference. It, it was 3-1 to Sporting Kansas City in the playoffs. I knew it was a two-goal uh, defeat. Two goal, yeah. I had in my head 2-0. I forgot to home he had scored the penalty to, to tie things up. But I mean, what, what do you feel was the, the bigger disappointment from those two games for you, Zach? Uh, maybe in some ways this one because... Even though I didn't think they would win, uh, I, 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 it's a year where they've won. They've won something. They've, they've achieved something really, really great. Uh, and so uh, I think this was, a, this, again, a little bit of a letdown coming off of last week's. Yeah. Uh, you know, last week or the last couple of games, I guess, uh, kind of heroics. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm saying disappointment, but letdown's another sort of good description yeah. for for how it kind of feels. And for me, this does feel worse than last year. I think everyone got a little bit carried away, and then when the dust settled, we're like, oh, you know what? It's, I mean, they did so well to get there from where they were. It's been a good mm. season. Now, this season, yeah, they do have the, the Canadian Championship to show for it. And just to, to quote from Vanny after the game today, he was asked about the, the season and the season's performance, and he says, I think there's a lot of things to do that the ways into it all. It's a season where we get some lights. The biggest light, of course, is winning the cup, going to the Canadian Championship. Not many teams at the end of the season will say, we won a trophy. Only the guys that win the Shield, the MLS Cup, the US Open Cup, and us. We are one of the four teams that can say they won a trophy. At the same time, I don't hide my disappointment, saying it's disappointing not reaching the playoffs. The reason why... I said it before, it's the way that we started the season that put us in this position to chase, chase, chase. I think we did our best to chase to the end, but unfortunately today it didn't go our way. In the end, I would say it's a sufficient season, but nothing more. Which is quite a fair summation. Yeah, like, I, I don't I don't think you can say sufficient when your one goal is to make the playoffs. Yeah. I, I he's meaning because they won the Canadian Championship. And I have like I haven't seen a lot of online reaction but I did see a couple of replies to a couple of tweets that I had been looking at where folk were saying I don't know why, in fact it was Har who had actually tweeted out that quote and there was some comments in that from folks saying they beat some really poor sides on the way to winning a trophy and only really beat one decent side to lift the Canadian Championship, is that really as I'm paraphrasing here but is that really as big an achievement as everyone's making it out to be you can only beat who's in front of you, and they did that. And I don't they think it's a trophy. 
I don't think it's just that. It's the fact that, you know, we you talked it about it before, cup football, anything can happen. And we've seen that yeah. with the White Caps. And it doesn't year. have the same gravitas in North America as it does elsewhere in the world yes, as well. Exactly. And that's where people are are deeming that to be like is not a big deal because people don't realize how difficult it is to go through a cup like a tournament like that and get win game after game, and especially with a regular season going on at the same time. But people have done that before. For me, like the, he's right that those first eight games just killed him. Um, usually, we say you know the, the you have to judge the game as a whole, you know the season as a whole. But eight games, you you basically out of a possible, and I might be doing my calculations right wrong. Twenty four points. They I think they picked up three. It was th- out of three four, 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 I think. Four, four. Uh, so the win against Sporting and the draw against New York City uh, FC. Uh, so those th- were. That the- was one of the questions on last week's shows from one of the listeners. Yeah. Like at that stage, who would have thought they would be in this position? And it certainly not me. I'll admit that. And and that's the thing. Like, I think you mentioned, oh, Team of Destiny last year. Will there be a team? You don't want to keep being this Team of Destiny. No. Well, you, we, that's, we said that's last year, it's not sustainable. And yeah. <laughs> And then, and then, we're going to run the, out of steam, and we ran out of steam this time before the playoffs. And the other disappointing thing is, like the the there were three games in the summer, which they lost a combined score nine to two mm. at home yeah. to Nashville, Chicago, and I'm drawing Minnesota. Well, Minnesota, Minnesota yeah. yeah, yeah, those three three games at home, and they they won games, you know, in between or whatever. But those three home games in the summer. Nine to two at home combined score, that has to be somewhere there. They should have had four points out of those, you know, the, some, at least four points out of those nine instead of zero. Well, I mean, it, it's always easy. Every oh, supporter of teams oh, for sure. around, if you haven't won the trophy, you're going to look back and say, "Oh, this is what cost us." But these are glaring, Steve. It's like there's yeah. no getting away from it. This no, this is and where it, the and if it was, a, and if it was a. If it was a one nil loss or you know something like that, that would be no big nine to two combined score at home, losing three games to teams that I think are beatable. Like you yep. should be able to beat Minnesota. You should be Chicago is not a playoff team. Well, look at that and, swing if, off the points. Uh, if the White Caps had got the win in that game, yeah. If, if they had just beaten Minnesota, they'd be in the playoffs right yep. now. Just the one game because they missed it by four. Yeah, that, that's what it, it basically boils down to. Now. I said this weeks ago and I still stand by this I genuinely don't care too much if the Whitecaps made the playoffs and got beat in the first round or didn't make the playoffs to me there's very little difference in that there's a little bit more comes into it this year which will come to the end of this part but it's like if you're just going to get in the playoffs and get skidded out in the first round what's the actual point yeah because... but the thing is you you want to be in the playoffs because then you have a chance to, to not yeah you've got a chance game. but if you're going to go out in the first round it's like it's it's almost more deflating yeah it making it and if we weren't going to make it i'd rather we had kind of balls it up in the last couple of weeks and we missed it by a lot we've missed it by four points in the end but that's what makes you angrier because you're that fucking close to getting there and you know where it's fallen down and you can pinpoint specifically games, moments where it all fell apart for you. If you yeah. if you miss it by a lot, if you're like a San Jose, you're like, ah, oh well, didn't really have a chance this year. 
Hey, Michael, isn't this a, a return to the discussion over over their ambition? Like, their ambition is to is to make the playoffs and see where they can go from there, right? So when yeah, your ambition is so but low, but to be fair, Vanny did say the ambition for this year was to go one stage further than what they yeah. did last year. So they did this; they failed even more. Yeah, so? they failed by two stages. Yeah, okay. So, but the step is, backwards and oh yeah, actually, step you talk about steps. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Just a yeah. step back instead of a step forward. But the thing is, you're talking about like they were out, you know, if you're a San Jose, you're out of the playoffs by a lot. Honestly, they were basically everybody wrote them off after the Colorado game. It was basically yeah. done. That's it I, there. I did. I joked on yeah. our show. We were having our end of season special and they made me eat that humble pie. Yeah. But, but the thing is that they won those three games, but even by winning those three games, they needed a lot of things to go right for them, which yeah, they did. And it was a, a miraculous series of events that, that yeah. went in their favor. So, so it was just like it's just basically you know it struck twelve and and, and it was, the ball was over basically for them at that point. Yep, the glass so, slipper fell off. Yeah, is Vanny the right fit for that glass slipper? That's going to be something we'll, we'll debate that in more next week. But yeah. uh, there's there's three questions about the future I want to pose to you just to get brief answers this week, and we'll delve into it more in our end of season off season shows as well. But one of them is about the future of Vanny now. I, I said, oh, if he goes on a run of four wins out of four, gets him into the playoffs, there's no way you're letting him go. And I think he's done well in these three games. But ultimately, at the end of last season, the end of this season, in the two big games, he's been the coach for a side that hasn't delivered what they've needed to deliver. Yeah, but the thing is, is I, 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 when he, they won the Canadian Championship, uh, the Voyager's Cup, basically I thought he was going to get another year at that point. I don't see them letting him go at this point. They're, I don't see them paying, wanting to pay another. I think he's got a one more year left. Yeah, he got off the two years or given so, a two year contract. So basically, I think at this point, they're going to let it play out for next season and then see what happens after next season and see if they retain him or not. I don't see them letting him go. It's it would be pointless. I know point. you guys weren't sure last year that it was the right decision to to bring him no, back. It, I just it, felt he he had earned it. There were clubs sniffing about, like Houston's Pat Onstad had been very vocal about how much he admired Vanny Sartini and he knows him and stuff like that. Well, so I think if, they, they locked him up just to make sure they didn't lose him from the organization. Well, if, if Houston wants to offer some gam or whatever, then yeah, I think the Whitecaps should be talking because yeah. I do. I, I don't. I personally think that there are better coaches out there. I still don't think that he makes good decisions week in and week out. Can uh, we maybe he, get Houston to offer us the Will Bruin from when he was with the Dynamo? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they could go back. Uh, and no, like that. I, I, I still, I stand by the last time. I don't think it was the right yeah, decision. I agree. I, I think that. Um, I, I also think it's incredibly awkward the the way he was has talked about that recently about you know who about oh you know he's had offers or people are interested in him or whatever. Like, I, I don't know if I misread those quotes or misunderstood those quotes, but it's like, I'm not well, sure I've seen those quotes actually I, th I thought that was from this year maybe i thought i saw someone post something about some comments that he I that. i've been a but, little bit awol the last you know, but like from social media though because i think people were asking axel yeah they were asking axel you know uh, after his his renewal like hey so is vanny secure and whatever and i think eventually axel kind of came out and said no it's like it's a good fit or something but um, I mean, we'll we're back to this glass slipper again. Well, what's he? What's he going to say before you know? Well, yeah, you're, you're not going to. You're not going to rip your coach. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like the game. time Har asked Axel, "Oh, is Mark DeSantis's job safe?" While well, Mark DeSantis is sitting there on the call, that was a very awkward moment. 
So do you think Vanny is back then, Zach, next year? Steve says yes. I think I think he's back. I, I do think he's back. I don't think, again, I, for the second year row, I don't think he should be. I think he's back as well. I think that Canadian Championship has bought him a bit of time. If they bomb out of that, if they get off to a bad start of the league campaign, I feel his coat's on a very sugly hook. I think he's got a... He's he's not got as much leash as he had at the start of this do, season. Do you have any update for us on your John Herdman talk? No. Oh, okay. um, I I was half expecting the Whitecaps to give me a call and say, don't know where you got that from, it's bollocks, but no one did. So that's always oh. kind of telling. That, that, Although, a, to be fair, not... Nathan has said he's not listening to the podcast as much anymore. Oh, he okay. prefers to listen to happier things. <laughs> <laughs> more more positive outlooks on life. No, he's better. He's probably busy corralling Lucas Cavallini and everything. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking his bodyguard course. It's, yeah. it's a lot of hard work there. He did a hell of a job. I don't know if we pointed out how much, like, how well he did to get him off the field, but he did. It's not oh, even his. It's oh. not even his. It's he's not even his position to do that. It should have been coaches and other players. Yeah, him off. we should get him on the fancy. show and play him in with Whitney Houston, yeah. bodyguard. <laughs> I, I, what I read this from Ryan Gold from after the game because I feel like Ryan sums things up very well. Actually, I'm going to read you two quotes. First of all, I'm going to read you a quote from Russell Tiber, Mr. Positivity, on, on his view on on the season. And it, it might have gone the way that, that you would have expected him to, to say. He said, we won the Canadian Championship and that's a huge accomplishment and achievement for this club. Anytime you win a trophy, you can be super proud of that. We went through a lot this year, highs and lows, and we stuck together. That's what I'll remember. So that was rusty. He didn't say it was a good season or a bad season. No. Somebody must have asked him what you remember for this season. On the match, he said, we had some big chances and fortunate not to capitalise on those chances. We created opportunities to score and they kept a clean sheet. Maybe that's a little bit of luck on our end, or it could be some quality goalkeeping on their end as well. But they did keep a clean sheet, so they were tough to score on tonight. So that's his positive outlook on it. But I want to read you Ryan Gold, my fellow Scott. I'm guessing it's not positive. Well, I feel he sums up the match the way that I view the match. We weren't as good as we could have been. I don't think you can look to the game and say that we deserve to win, which is frustrating. Not that we necessarily had a really bad game. I just don't think we played good enough to win. So he's honest, because they didn't. It's yeah. like you can look, oh, we had chances, and our luck didn't go this way, and some good goalkeeping. The Whitecaps had to go and win this game. Minnesota yeah. just needed a point. The Whitecaps had to go for it, and they did not show enough to go for yeah. it. So now we'll delve into this next week in the coming weeks. But again, just a brief answer from you on this question. How much of a, an overhaul do you see this off-season? I'm not looking for numbers, but small, medium or large? Medium. And what, what do you think it will be and what do you think it should be? Okay, okay. Uh, uh, I'm going to medium as in quantity of players, but I think, especially at the top, I think there should be a big change. I don't know if it's going to happen, but and we talk about Lucas Capellini. I think that yeah. needs to change. But um, overall, I, do, I I like a lot of the players. I just think I think they need to do some tinkering here and there, and um, they need to 
like I don't know how many international spots. This is the biggest thing. I don't know how many international spots they're going to have next year or can they afford to have. So they're really overloaded with international players. So I, I think that that's going to be a big factor of how, who stays and who goes. Um, so for me, that's the biggest picture. The Santa Inasi Memorial spot is still available. Yeah, that, <laughs> that spot's still there. But other spots, like, is whether if they use GAM or TAM to do it. I mean, we, we touched on last week's show, Zach. We, we know where they need to strengthen in quality, and it's up front, and it's defensively, and they, they need that midfielder. It does feel a lot of what we were kind of saying last year, although perhaps not in regards to the forward line, because we were thought, oh, Cavallini, White, even though we didn't expect White to have that good a season again, we probably expect him to have slightly better than than he has had this year. I, I think there, there needs to be changes and some tough decisions need to be made and some loyalty needs to just go out the window and you, you've got to make those decisions with the head and not the heart. Yeah, I, players I, that you might want to think of keeping around, like Dahomey and Caicedo, this this questions hanging over their heads. Yeah, I agree with Steve. It is, it's sort of like a, yeah, you this the this combo of change. You want it with a, a side of medium fries and a medium soft drink, and uh, I think that yeah, L- Lucas Cavallini, I think. Should go, and I think there's been rumors that they've been shopping him, right? I think we talked about yeah, that a little before. Atlas was mentioned last week. And yeah, so I think I think that needs to go. But could really um, do with him having a great World Cup. I think for, I mean, on the pitch, I think there's definitely room to uh, grow three to five starting positions, but on the whole, on the squad as a whole, there's room to grow the depth. So what might might be what maybe could be medium might be bigger than that. But I, yeah. I fear that it'll be like last year, where it'll be more like small to medium, and and I think medium. from pe- people's perception, the big some of the bigger issues will be some of this stuff that has stood out over these last couple of weeks, is you know is what role do some of these longtime standing players that are serviceable MLS players, what is their standing in the team? Mm-hmm. Like if you remove them from the team, that answers the question really easy. If they stay, then it's going to take literally probably like months to figure to, you know to figure that out. Or it's, or our Vanny or whoever will address it, and then people will know, and we'll see if that's true as, as the months play out. But uh, yeah, the change needs to happen. Like, and, like it will happen. Essentially, for me, it's like figure out what formation you want to go for, stick with, and get the right players for that formation. Yes. Like if you want to go three at the back, get rid of you know your wide players that are useless, like in those in that formation, like Dahomey, like Casido. Get get like move them on and bring in like proper wing backs, bring in proper center backs that can control the ball and 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 so work from there. If you're going to play four at the back, then bringing keeping your full backs and, and have your wide players. I think the homie and casino would be fine if they had four at the back. If they play three at the back, but you got to get rid of them because they're they're not effective in that formation. I think the the lack of use for the homie down the stretch has been a bit telling as well. Well, but that's to me that I don't. I, I still don't understand. I still don't understand how you can. I don't waste, either. And, and, but but there's the thing, Mike. My, my, Michael, Vanny told told you told you guys like last year. I'm going to waste him as a fullback for at least seventy five percent of the time, and at least what 
maybe 10 games into the season, it was clear that that was not going to work. And it, it took too long to change. And not only did the, the, the change come too late, but also the usefulness and the form, it's like they crushed the form of Dahomey. And so uh, I don't know if they can rehabilitate him here, but mm-hmm. he's the kind of player you hope they could because in, in MS, MLS, I think he can be a great creative and more so probably goal-scoring player for you if you use him in the right way. But I don't think he's been used in the right way, especially no. this last season. Well, it's that old phrase of if in, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, yeah. you could say insanity, you could say lunacy since we played Minnesota today. But Like the, 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 the homie is essentially the, uh, the ideal definition of a square peg. Like he in the round hole, like trying to get somebody to fit somebody in something something they they're not capable of doing. At wing back for sure. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. Wing back. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it was and so that again, when you're talking about evaluating the coach, these are one of the questions you have to ask: Is did he force too much of that? Right. Like he really wanted to play three at the back, whether it's because it's all like his lifelong you know formation, whether it's you know this is you know on vogue more so than not in in football around the world. Uh, if he wanted to just prove that he could you know do something whatever like I don't who knows, but th- there was too much square peg and round hole and not and they weren't quick enough to to hold their hand again. This is a common white caps problem. Hold up your hand and say we got this wrong. You know, if Mark Panis was still involved when he was doing that, I, mean, I think he would have he would have helped. Him with that. But seriously, just a little yeah. bit of hey, yeah, we got this wrong. We need to adjust. We need to change so that it's better. Like a great coach would see what players he has and find the formation for those players. Yes, and 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 that's the difference. Where uh, and I know I'm not trying to pile on the guy, but I, that's why I don't think Sartini is that coach that they by Kepsi. Because if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna complain that Robo had no experience. You had DeSantos had no experience. Sartini probably had the least amount of experience. Oh, out yeah, of all I mean DeSantis had the most experience of the three, and he's yeah. probably had the worst results of the of the three. So maybe it doesn't matter that much. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have Vanny on in the the coming weeks, uh, and Axel as well, just f- for some end of season chats with them. And just tell him to listen to this episode. Yeah, um, yeah maybe not. <laughs> um, one of the questions I want to put to Vanny though is like, what has he learned this year? Did he feel that he was too set in his ways and wasn't quick enough to adapt and change when it, it was obvious what was needed to many? Michael, Michael, are we able to do that on Zoom, like all three of us in, in I, that? I can arrange that, yeah. It'll probably be during the day, though. That would be the, the thing. We, I, we'll sort something out. I can probably make time. Uh, last couple of bits just for this part. Um, they, they missed the playoffs, as I said, by four points in the end. If they had made the playoffs, though, would this simply have been a case of papering over all these cracks? Mm-hmm. If I hear the phrase uttered in any of the post-season stuff of, yeah, well, we've got a really good squad competitive, we only need to change a couple of little things to to improve, I'm going to lose my shit this year. Yeah. I good. always did yeah. last year. And if yeah. I hear, and if I, if I hear Casido coming back from injury is like a new addition, yeah. basically that, that would be pissed oh that off. will get thrown out there because Casino yeah. will be back because he's he's been through a tough spell and he has a talent if they can just keep him find healthy. the position for him yeah but yeah it will be like a new player though Steve 
As will Kyle when he returns from his loan deal. <laughs> I, I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> yeah, he's not coming back. But right? it, it's like it would have papered over the cracks, and that that's the the worrying thing about making the playoffs. Is this is this maybe a good chance? The fact that they haven't made it to take some of the tough decisions. Or will they think, oh, we're really close, we don't need to do that, too much? No, no, that's the thing. When you don't make the playoffs, that means you have to improve. You have to improve the roster. Because look at who else hasn't made the playoffs. Now, if you had asked for odds at the start of the season oh, of none of the Cascadian clubs making the playoffs, oh, you'd have got some crazy odds on that. Oh, yeah. But you can be sure Portland and Seattle will not want to be in this position next year. No. no they, so they are going to spend time. And honestly, honestly, if you told me, if you asked me if the Whitecaps don't make the playoffs and the Seattle Sounders and the Portland say you had that option of everybody making the playoffs or nobody, I would have taken nobody just to see Seattle and Portland miss the playoffs. Yeah, so, but <laughs> going, going back to, yeah, I, well, the crazy thing is, uh, on top of that, Michael, is in the league standings, Vancouver, Vancouver's at at the end of the year. Yes. Like, that's not happened, has it? Or no, it's happened once. It's happened once in the MLS. Oh, yeah, that year we finished second. Yeah, second or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, but, uh, but no, like, our preseason predictions, yeah, I, I think I had both Portland and yeah, Seattle. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna dig those but, out this week and see how we, how we feared. But oh, you, you will know that, us. you will know that the Greg father did get his LA Galaxy into the playoffs. Yes, I was wrong in that. Not only did he get them in, he got them into top four finish as well. The like, Talking of the standings, just to round this part off, if we're looking at the, the Supporters' Shield standings, overall throughout MLS, the Whitecaps finished 17th. A win against Minnesota not only would have clinched a... Uh, a playoff spot for the second straight year, it would have seen them ranked in the top 15 in the Supporter Shield standings, which would have meant they would have hosted a group next summer in the League's Cup. Oh, oh wow. So now they will not be hosting a group. They will be one of the MLS sides that is placed regionally into one of the host teams. And looking at who it is, I've got a feeling it's going to be something like LA or RSL. We're going to be in, in with and along or with Minnesota team. Or, or Minnesota, one of those three could be Minnesota. I, yeah, I don't know. Would they class that as regional? That's a long but, way. But, but, if, <laughs> but if you think, but no, but if you think of it, I, I don't know. Did Portland make top 15? Uh, no, because they, uh, they finished. So, oh, actually, so, no, sorry, they did. They did finish uh, 15th. So, so Portland oh, is so Portland will be a whole, so we'll be in with Portland. Or, uh, but Seattle could be winning with Portland. Maybe they put Seattle in Portland and then we go Oh, yeah, they'd probably or... like that, to be honest, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. Seattle would, 21st, wow. That would get them hot. Oh. But, I mean, I just want to finish talking about the the League's Cup because we, we spoke about it when it was first announced. I really like this competition and what it has the possibility of being. The top three finishing teams in the whole tournament get a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League. So for me, that's great. Stuff's on the line. It's a competitive tournament. The MLS season's getting paused for, for a month. I I think it's good. And the White good, Cats have a great chance to to get some good action here. And now they've, they've blown it. It's good, but it's, it's getting so confusing now. It's like getting more and more confusing where you need... The, you know, it's that meme where the string is attached and you in order to figure out where the everything is going it, it, it they're making it way more confusing than it needs to be but 
I do agree that it will be fun for that month that the tournament is on. Yeah. I, I, I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I think I might be in some of the minority reading by some of the comments on, on Twitter. Never a good gauge for the, the vast majority. But, I mean, Zach, does it does it float your boat? Uh, no. Ah. I mean, it's... it's I, I think it's you not great. just like a grumpy Santa Claus. Right? No, it, I think it's not great on the on the whole because of, you know this is a league that still has a bunch of teams playing on international dates and all that kind of fixture congestion and that kind of stuff. Well, they have uh, said think, they're going to try and address that though with this new Apple deal though as they, well. They've said that every year for however long. Um, but, uh, but no, I think for like fans of the league or fans of a team in the league, it's probably uh, an exciting thing. I, I do. I do think that one the month, month or whatever it's going to be, in, it will be exciting. Like, look how much fun we had during MLS's back. Exactly. I think I, th- I thought it was fun. So I think the month is going to be fun. But before that and after that, I think it's going to it's going to cause havoc for the schedule. Yeah. The only bad thing about it is it's in the the peak summer where there's a lot of other interests, obviously for for people as well, and doesn't always draw great at, at games in the summer but well, maybe maybe that helps with the drawing because people will like in that those host locations people will have like standings and you don't have to worry mm. about other places and then it helps with the home teams when they're uh playing their games in other parts of the year yeah because the mexican teams for them it's, it's a cash cow it's just yeah. taking their taking their product to the the masses in, in the u.s and the white cats is just going to be a small part of that now so they fucked the playoffs. They fucked being a host for, for the League Cup. What else could they fuck up? We'll talk about that in part three. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I think we need a holiday A week or two in Mexico The two of us We leave the fools at home Away from all the heartache and the troubles that we've suffered in the last two weeks Although they felt like years Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, we've gone back to the mid-90s again. 1996 this time, and a band from Liverpool called Space. That is a, a song and a single taken from their debut album Spiders, and that is called Dark Clouds. Picked that for two Obvious reasons. One, Dark Clouds being the Minnesota United supporters group. And also, Dark Clouds now over the Whitecaps for their failure to reach the playoffs and everything that went with that. This part, I want to talk about maybe some other Dark Clouds that's been over the the Whitecaps this week. If you've been following Whitecaps land on social media. And again, I will preface this by saying that, yes, social media, especially Twitter, is never a good gauge 
for what the general public are thinking about the Whitecaps, or anything, really. But I, I wanted to talk about a couple of announcements that were made this week. First of all, Axel Schuster, Herr Schuster, is back for another four years. He's signed a contract extension. He'll be with the Whitecaps till 2026. He said this was something that he'd had in his long-term plan. He wants to be here for the World Cup coming to Canada and North America. It's a big thing for the game here. He wants to be a part of that. He wants the Whitecaps to have a big part to play in that and raising people's love for the game. You happy, Steve, to, to see another four years off Axel S? Four years uh, that he's getting paid for. I don't know if he's going to be here for four years uh, <laughs> as a white cap uh, GM. Um, That's true. Um, so basically, I don't have a problem with it. I think I think I feel like he's done a decent job. Not I know some people in the media, um, possibly some other Germans, might disagree. Um, but uh, for the most part, that I think I think he's done a decent job in putting together a team. Um, like I said, he needs to keep getting like improving the team i i feel like the lot especially this past summer there's been quite a few good additions not name additions obviously like kubas is not a name guy but i think he's performed really well uh for the position he's in so i don't have a problem with it we'll see how it goes and see if it continues to um like he continues to bring the team upwards because before he came in it was pretty dire um the way that this roster was built and the, and the talent that was on the team I mean, the, the issue I had, Zach, with Axel's dual roles, and I still do have this issue, it's a lot for one man to take on. Sporting director and CEO of the team. Now, when I asked Axel about that, if he had any qualms about that, he, I mean, he said no, because the the sporting side will start to take care of itself because they don't have a lot of tinkering to do and he's got those other pieces in place. He's got the, the coaching, he's got the scouting department, he's got everything like that. So you can concentrate more on the business side. And that still is pretty much the, the case. But I, I still think it's a lot for one person to take on both those roles. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, 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 I mean, the whole move never made sense when it happened. Uh, for multiple reasons, uh, what you said just being one of them. Uh, I don't think, I, I mean, I, I guess, and I'm not tr trying to jump the conversation already into what's next, but I think in terms of, you know, do I think this is a good move and whatever, I think I think had, uh, had the last few weeks not played out the way they had, I probably would have been more, you know, excited uh, for Whitecaps fans at this move uh, than I am right now. Because what's happened over these last couple of weeks with how the handling of the end of the of the uh, executives who are on leave saga uh, feels so very Whitecaps. It feels so very uh, like, the, n like just not not handled well. And I know Axel publicly said stuff like, oh, no, I got to talk to everyone before decisions are made. But it just feels like they said, we're not going to make the decision until the season ticket stuff is done, and then we'll make a decision. And I I, th I think that some of the breath of fresh air that, well, the first fresh air that was brought in was Mark Panis is gone. And Axel, I think, has been a breath of fresh air at times. But this move in this significant instance uh, makes me more concerned than I've, I've been uh 
probably his entire tenure. <laughs> um, and, and also the fact that these people are, some of these people are coming back also, you know, has me concerned that he didn't have enough uh, power, ability, authority to have them no longer at the club at all. I know they have diminished roles and whatever, but um, that, that's, that's my big concern about, about that. Uh, I think, um, the, the two the two roles, yeah, he shouldn't be doing the two roles. He talked about he's not doing them. He has other people who help and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm not too worried about that, I guess. But um, I just – and I also – and just on, on the whole, I don't know that he is um, – his, 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 his contacts in the game and his uh, connectivity, especially obviously in, in German football – has really paid the dividends that it could have or should have, or one would expect that it, it could have uh, by this point. I mean, one or one or two signings that have not been, you know, game changing uh, is, I don't think enough. I think that he should be able to, to have done more in that respect. I mean, for me, the, the stability is good and he has done a good job. He's steadied the ship. He, he's a guy that doesn't take any shit and I think the face of we that we see from Axel isn't necessarily what is going on behind the scenes as well, because things I've heard is he's quite a hard taskmaster and he does not suffer fools gladly. That's I, true. I, I think he he's definitely got a passing grade. The club is in a better position now in many ways than it was when he, he kind of came to the club. And they've been through so much when you think of COVID and, and everything that went with that and upheaval and new head coach and Mark Panis leaving and, and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, he, he has got a passing grade. I think he could have done better in, in some regards. And I think there's still a lot of work to get done because we're still talking about the Whitecaps as a, not a regular playoff side. If we'd been back to back, we could have said, well, at least we're, we're a regular playoff side now. But we're still just an also ran. In Major League Soccer, is what it boils down to. I also think that I think that bar is really low, Michael. That you talk about about being in a better place than they were because when he came, they were at a extremely oh, low. Oh, they're a very low ebb. Yeah, yeah. They kept finding new lows at that point. Yeah. Time. Um, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I might misremember. Did he uh, was DeSantos hired before Axel Schuster came on? I yes, think so. Yeah. So for me, because of that, I personally don't think he's hired the coach he wants. Like I honestly think. No, uh, I think I think he was yep. whether it was like public or or ownership. He was basically he was he was basically given um, Vanny Sartini to yeah. hire. As he was well. given MDS. Vanny was in the role, just happened to have that great run. So then, I, I don't mean this in any disrespect to Vanny when I use this phrase, but he was then stuck with Vanny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I personally don't think he's hired the coach that he that he would his first choice at this point, even though he's gone. It's, it's his second coach that he's been under him. So for me, like, I think that uh, I, I like, like, I know like, Zach talked about the German aspect of it, but I feel like he's picked players from other places and, and they're, and he's, he's gotten decent return on them. Not the greatest return, but he's got decent, he's like picking up players. I think maybe there's Nicholas overhaul that uh, he needed some time to, to get them together and everything like that. And, and well, I yeah, because been... the, the most recent additions have looked very good. The likes of Kubis, these MLS deals that they've managed to, to bring in, they've all and, been shining lights so far. And, and the so players that have not... The, as well. the, the players that have not succeeded are either, like we said before, 
um, dealing dealt with injuries like like uh, uh, Kyle, Caicedo, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and Kyle as well, really, yeah, because I mean his whole are... time here was like derailed. And then and then the, the other players that might have not have worked out are players that, like we said before, there were square pegs. So like and and not put in the position that they should be. So for me, that like he's brought in a decent amount of talent. I feel like the talent is better than what it was. But, but and okay. I, and I, I agree with you. They were at a very low when they when they were doing. I, I I don't disagree with anything with what you said, Steve. In terms of actually like drawing from the pool or drawing from the the kind of world that he was a part, a majorly a part of. Um, no, I I agree with you there that he hasn't really actually. Yeah. Like, gotten the it, German stuff in but he's gotten other other things in that are uh, that are problematic and I'm glad I'm kind of glad he didn't force and bring in Germans that uh, German players that maybe weren't up to MLS standards oh no of course of course so not. I'm, I'm just glad he didn't do that because we've seen coaches do that before where they just bring in players like like if a U.S. like a Martin Reddy, he would bring in USL players and just like bring in players that he knew and not getting the right players. So I kind of glad that he, like the way he built the team. I don't I don't have a big problem with it. I I, I think two measures of, of how he, how he's not been good in that is one. There's been other Bundesliga players that have already come into the league that I think could have done a could have been a a, a, a good fit in Vancouver. Two. Next year, you're going to see what someone with real connections in Germany uh, does, I think, in St. Yes. Louis with uh, former Vancouver Whitecap, uh, Luch Spanish Steel running the show in St. Louis. Yeah, I hope to have him on the show this off-season as well. I'm looking forward to a chat with, with him. I hope we'll get you on for that for sure, Zach, because that should certainly be a, a very interesting one. I mean, it's been tough for Axel. I, I, with all the COVID stuff, the team had to relocate twice. And they've never had th- this season. It's still really a recovery season. So ne- next season, I think we can maybe be a, a bit of a, a better judge on everything, de- depending on how things go. In amongst though that announcement of Axel, the the Whitecaps released their and Zach's touched on it already, but they they released their their new staffing, their list <laughs> of the executives and the front office, and some would say buried in amongst that, but I'm pretty sure it's the first thing most people wanted to, to check to see. The names of Bob Lenarduzzi as club liaison and Dan Lenarduzzi as the advisor to the academy centres, two of the executives that no one has ever confirmed whether they were the ones that were put on leave, and Axel was asked this week by a couple of media outlets and would not confirm even if they had been put on administrative leave whilst the investigation into historic abuse allegations were said. I'm, I'm sure there's some legality in that as to, to why they can't oh, do most that. Likely. But all, all we know is of the, the infamous four that folk have regularly talked about, poor Jeff Anderson has moved <laughs> on. So is Greg. Is he working? Um, in, is he working in a family business somewhere else? Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel Lewis as well parted ways with the club and stuff. So the Lenarduzis are are still the the only folk of those four that are involved. But I, I I kind of respect Lewis and Anderson for not staying with the club and realizing that they, they would not be in a good light for them. Um, I know I'm not respecting like what their involvement in the whole thing, but yeah. I do respect that they saw that it was a better. And I wish letter the letter Duzies saw that too. That it was well, time for them to step well, aside. Here, what, what, here, I, what I'll say about Greg Anderson, 
Actually, I'll say, I'll say a couple of things about Greg Innes. I know we make jokes about the Jeff thing, and for anyone that is unaware, it's just because Axel accidentally one day in the early days referred to him as Jeff Anderson. So we've just had that as a, a running joke and trope on the oh, show. Oh, there's a, there's a lot of inside running jokes that people yeah. might not get. <laughs> but, I mean, I, aside from contract extensions and what triggers that, I would say that Greg <laughs> Anderson's knowledge of MLS rules was great. Whenever yeah. Steve or me needed to, to find out information, Greg always had time to chat to us. He would sit down and talk to us and explain things. And he was always a pleasure to deal with. I, I, I will certainly oh. say that. Oh, Greg Anderson as a person is a very nice person. Don't, I'm not, no, nothing against I think him he had a lot of knowledge person. as well about the ins and outs of MLS. Uh, yeah. And he learned the ropes from, from Tommy Solon and got up to speed. And yeah, and this, not, not, no commentary. Dogs, no commentary on his, him as a person. It's this is more a commentary on him in that role. He was yeah. never a fit for that role, um, and so yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I mean, I, a mutual friend of ours that Greg probably didn't know we have this mutual friend, but a mutual friend of ours basically put it to me, paraphrasing ever so slightly as to how they told me off. Greg's just fed up for getting blamed for everyone else's shit right now. So I thought it was a time for a fresh start. Yeah, but that's also this. That, that's the you, you've heard about about Bobby for for years. I mean, I, I sat in a, I sat in a gathering with Mark DeSantos, where the head of communications of the Whitecaps said, "People don't understand what Bobby does and doesn't do." You're the head of communications. You're in charge of the messaging going out. You're the one responsible for, for Well, interesting that. that you say that because Axel has said uh, about the Lena Doozy brothers that there's been a misunderstanding about yeah. the role that they so played. So whose fault these... is that? That's the Whitecaps' fault. Like... Yeah, but if you read it, what he's saying is it's a misunderstanding not about the role at the club, but about the role in the historic allegations is what he's actually saying. It's not about... There's been a mis because folk took that to mean there's a misunderstanding about what their role is just now. It's not that. There's no misunderstanding at all. Bob is the club liaison, and whatever you think of Bob Leonard Doozy, and we've had this discussion, Zach. Yep. What he has done in the Canadian game is amongst the top things that anyone in Canadian soccer that's currently alive has done, and his name carries weight. It carries weight with businesses. People know that name. They hark back to the World Cup in 86, what the Whitecaps did in the 70s in NASL, everything he's done for Canadian soccer. 86ers. And it, yeah, it opens up doors. Oh, hey, I don't disagree with you. You cannot rival Bob Leonarduzzi when it comes to historic contributions to Canadian football. I think the problem is that I think in the MLS era, he has tarnished his own reputation uh, by, not, by not being able to carry on on the footballing side and I think with, and, and I might be wrong, uh, but I think what happened with, with the whole, uh, you know, uh, coaches of the women's team, what happened in it is even though uh, all these, all these uh, reports have indicated that there was no legal wrongdoing, I think what you see in the court of popular opinion is that there was moral wrongdoing or that people, that the situation was not more sure, in, the, in, more the, way, sure in the way it could have been. Yeah, and more so, should have been done. Exactly. And so I, I, I think he has lost an incredible amount of credibility yeah. and should not be with and, the, and the, the reason the, hang on the reason why he's staying with the club simple is this michael one he, he makes a good wage for it two he wants to be involved in things that are happening next month he wants to be involved in what's happening in four years in this country he wants to keep having a voice he wants to keep being able to make money off his historical contributions in, in this game which is totally understandable 
I'm of the opinion, I think he's lost that right. I might be wrong. Uh, I don't make those decisions. Well, you're not alone. I mean, well, that's th- what a, a number of folk are feeling. That's what uh, that's what I wanted to bring up with what Michael said about like he opens doors, but he's also closing doors with a lot of people for yeah. the white caps yes. that are well, not agreeing with that. Situation. That's the other issue. Like the timing yeah. of this stinks because it is after the season ticket renewal, and the club will say, "Oh, that's just that's the first not, chance that we could to put not, this out." No, that's not true. There's and, no way that that's true. There's no and there's no way that that you. I, I could believe any of those people saying that because that is how the, historically they have operated. And, and the thing it's is, really if, awful timing. And and it's if it is the the way that the earliest they should have they could have done it. The, the, I I either they're they're legitimately saying that and they and, and that's bad or they held off on it. And that's yeah, bad. but it's, if they it's knew either this, way. they knew what the reaction was going to be as well, so they should have extended the season ticket window. I feel totally. Yeah. So, I mean, that go, kind of goes hand in hand. Dan Leonard Doozy, just to quickly touch on him, because I know Zach has to head off very, very soon, but he's had a big part to play in setting up these academy centres across Canada, and he's still in that role as an advisor. We'll talk about this more, I'm sure, in the coming weeks, and we'll get uh, fans' opinions on it and stuff as well. I, I think... I think... Well, one of my questions that still hasn't been answered, and I'll ask him the next time I see him or via email... Because last time he told me he couldn't answer because of, uh, you know, because of the legality of stuff is is I think one of the things that I was concerned about uh, at the time is was that Bob Leonard Uzi broke the it's it sorry it appeared that Bob by the stories that were being shared by Kira that Bob Leonard Uzi broke the trust of his players, which to me is a pretty significant thing, which kind of disqualifies him to be in, in, involved in a, in a football club, and yeah. and when you look at what has happened south of the border in lower cascadia yeah in this week and what's continuing to happen which we, we don't need to talk about in detail now i think you see and i think you see the power of people when they bring their voice together and they stand up for what they want their club to be and it'll be interesting to see if if whitecaps fans uh do that do something like that or they say no we just want to we just you know that we just want to watch football we want to we don't care about all that all, all that other stuff we just want to watch football and we're happy for things to be the way they are and for whoever to work for us for whatever reason blah 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 it'll be I, interesting to, to see how that progresses to, to be honest i think the majority i don't know how big a majority but i think majority fall into that latter category yeah i mean this prob- is a discussion probably. we will continue and the reason we're going to continue is because aside from having Axel and Vanny on the show in the coming weeks, we're also going to sit down for a chat with the new general manager of women's soccer at the Whitecaps, Stephanie LeBay. Just end this part quickly on the the good news story well, again, of the week. Again, that's not by accident. It's not by accident that that's announced at that time. And I, I find it... it it kind of put LeBay in a bit of an awkward well, exactly. situation. I, I really I, felt for her. In I don't that know. If she, I don't know. I don't know if she so gets. How, I don't know if she gets how cynical these people are and how they would use her in that way. But she, that announcement was 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 totally timed for that. The and, club would, would disagree because that's been brought up to them, and they say that it's not right. Okay, and do you believe them? Like it, it I, comes I'll down to this. The, I'll plead the lots fifth of, on lots, that. Lots of people say things uh, they aren't the way they appear, or no, you're reading too much into it. But the question is that needs to come down to is do you actually believe them? Because again, for me, I've sat with these people and I've been lied to many times over much smaller issues, and so I just don't believe them. Mm. 
Yeah, I, 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 in the past, maybe past two, three years, I might have believed them. I might have given them the benefit of the doubt. It's hard to do it. It's, 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 it's it, over the years, over the last two or three years, it's been harder and harder to give them the benefit of the doubt. And it's, and while people might say that I've become more cynical, I would say that they have that, like you, like yeah. Zach said before, they consistently are breaking the trust. Like Zach seeing the backgrounds of, of this thing's happening. And in, in the last few years, we've seen it in the foreground where it's like visible that they're kind of doing it. And, and that's where I, 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 I'm actually usually a very non-cynical person. I like giving people the benefit of the doubt. I want to see them learn from their mistakes, but it just doesn't seem like it's happening. Like, that's why I feel for, like you said, Labe, I feel for Axel Schuster. I feel for a lot of the player, people that seem like they're good people that get stuck in these positions. And I think, I think Steve's sentiment is where a lot of people are at and they should be extremely concerned about that. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is it, and I don't like the, it, it, and I've said it in the past few years, I've, it's all comes down to ownership. Ownership is not shown enough leadership in this, in this issue. And they are not like putting their foot down and not realizing how much detriment this is coming to their club. And if they want to keep this club running in Vancouver, they should do something about it. It's not been a great news week for one of the owners either, but we won't cover that on the show just now. <laughs> Let's round it up for this part because, as I say, Zach has to, to head off to another meeting. We are going to get Stephanie LeBay on the show, so we'll talk about this in a lot more detail. I know it feels a little bit rushed. It's just how things have worked out. Trying to get the show recorded at all it has been tight this week because of Thanksgiving, my commentary and stuff like that. Zach, just before you do go, folk can obviously find you on Twitter at ZacharyM, but any final thoughts that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, just praying for Fonzie's skull. Yeah, I didn't know about that until someone sent me a message this morning. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Fingers crossed for him. All we'll talk later. Cheers, man. Take care. Peace. Bye. That is it for this part of the AFTN Soccer Show. We've got one more part to go. Where we're going to round up the latest in MLS and the CPL, and we'll be back with that after this. Hey, I am Axel Schuster, and I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
welcome back to the final part of this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, we've left them to the final part. It's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of October from Olympia, Washington State, US of A. It's Beat Happening. And that is a song taken from their debut, self-titled debut album. It was recorded in 84, released in 85. It's called Run Down the Stairs. And I I picked that one for this week because of the the lyrics in it. Turn out the light. Because the lights have been turned out on the Whitecaps playoff hopes for this season. The season is officially over. They're in deep storage now until they kick off the Champions League campaign in February. Looking forward to that, though, already, I do have to say. For this final part, though, we're just going to do a very quick roundup of the the weekend's action in Major League Soccer and also in the Canadian Premier League as well. We'll kick things off primarily focusing on the West. Now, I'll I'll just give you the the results of the the games just as they kind of all kicked off at the same time. So we'll just kind of do it as they're they're listed on the, the MLS site. So Austin... Drew at home to Colorado Rapids and goals late in this. Drew, you see, got his 22nd goal of the season from the spot in the 81st minute before Diego Rubio got the equaliser for Colorado in the, the 93rd minute. Austin, like led by Drew, see, who was quiet here for, for that recent game against the Whitecaps, it has to be said. But I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do in the playoffs. But I know Steve... You raised a very good point last week. It's like, have they maybe kind of burned out a little bit? Did they reach the dizzy heights? Because we know what start they got. They were banging five goals in every every week. But yeah, it's been it, a it's, struggle over the line for them. And this is like their first time as a team, as an organization in the playoffs. And that does play a little bit of part. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes you don't even realize what you're into. Um, and then you just move on and you just don't even realize it. You don't feel the pressure. Sometimes you, sometimes you're just not experienced enough to go. And they're going to go against the team um, that is like a bit of a wildcard team RSL. Like sometimes they'll be really up on top of their game. Sometimes they'll just not show up. So it really depends on what RSL brings in that first game too. Yeah. I mean, if, if we look at the, the Western conference and LAFC, Supporter Shield winners, we know they're first. They get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Austin finished second, and they will now play seventh-placed RSL because what a game that was this afternoon for RSL. For the second straight season, I think it has to be said, people wrote them off. People did not think they would be a playoff team, and they've proved the doubters wrong. And I only got a chance to watch the, the highlights of this quickly before we recorded, but... They went 3-0 up at home in this one. Savarino in the 19th minute, Mendez in the 48th, and Hidalgo, eight minutes from time, putting the cherry on the cape. On the, on the cape? On the cake. Aspria got a consolation for Portland with three minutes to go, but... But it was just done and dusted by that. Yeah, I mean, RSL did what they needed to do. Uh, it was a very impressive performance. I, 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 I tip my hat to them. They, they've done what they've needed to do, and... If only the Whitecaps could say the same thing. I mean, they've they've got a fighting chance. They could do what they did before and try and grind out nil-nil draws and take games to penalties. Yeah, and if there's any team that you want to face in the top four, 
um, in the Western Conference. Like if you're one of the, you know, the other three teams at the bottom, you want to face Austin because of that reason, because they just don't have, they don't have the organizational experience to be in there um, in, in the playoffs. But they, like I said, they, both of these teams are kind of like wild cards. Anything is possible on them. I mean, we, we talked about how the Whitecaps have made the playoffs five times in their 12 MLS seasons. For RSL, they have now appeared in the postseason in 12 of the last 15 seasons and yep. four of the last five. And that's with a lot of turnover. A lot yep. of turnover. They've, they've of had coaching players, staff as well. Coaching staff, players, owners, <laughs> just in the last couple of years. So, yeah, a lot of turnover. Um, and But they're, they, they seem to be like that one... Uh, like the, the club in, in in addition to Seattle that seems to always be in and around the playoffs. Yeah, and it's full credit to them. It's the it's the club, it's the organization in some regards, because obviously they've had their own ownership issues yeah. and stuff as well. But taking that aside, it's like what they do on the pitch is what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's what you would love the Whitecaps to kind of be. You want them For to sure. be making the playoffs four of the last five seasons. We've made it once, I think, in the last five seasons. That, especially, especially when you're not, nobody's ever expecting you to make it, and you still keep making the playoffs. Yeah, uh, it's going to be third placed Dallas that are are going to be hosting the other or one of the other two sort of first round ties in the West as well, and they are going to be taking on the team that conquered the Whitecaps today, Minnesota. Dallas came away with a two one home win. To, to set them up for that against KC, who's been on a good run of form of late. Goals from Ariola set them on the way. Zussi tied things up for KC as well before the, the winner came for Dallas in the 65th minute from pa- Paul Ariola, who's had a good season. Um, Leger, Leger got the opening goal. I don't know what I just said there, but Sebastian Leger got the opening goal in the 33rd minute. Um, I think Dallas... I said at, in our a preview to the season, I thought they were going to have a, a a good season and they could maybe challenge for a playoff spot. I thought it would be down around seventh. I never for a minute thought they'd be up as high as third. Yeah, and they, they got a team that, like, you know, led by uh, Ferreira there at the top. And basically, they, they, they're, they're another team that, like, nobody expected anything out of them. Like, we, we constantly tell about the talk about them of being the team that kind of fades in the summer. Uh, they start out strong and then they fade, but this year they did not, and they held on to that top four spot. And it's the, the Galaxy hosting Nashville in the third and final of the first round playoff games in the West. And the Galaxy warmed up for this with a, a 3-1 win at Houston. So, I mean, they've started to find that form again and they, they've got a man at the the helm in Greg Vanny that knows how to deliver an MLS Cup. They fell behind in the eighth minute to a Ferrara goal, but then they, they came storming back with two goals in the minute in the first half before wrapping it up late in or midway through the second half as well. But they're going to have a formidable task against a Nashville side that can be very stingy, don't give up a lot of goals. And they went to the Supporters' Shield winning LAFC today and spoiled their party. Teal yeah. Bunbury getting the 53rd-minute goal there. Again, like Nashville, you're right. Stingy team. I, I, I'm almost sure that they, uh, for the most part, they probably have like one of the top five uh, defenses in the league. Um, I, I think they have the uh, second best behind FC Dallas, in fact, in um, 
in, in the Western Conference. And there's only a few teams even in the East that let, let less goals in. So they're they're known for that. Um, L.A., uh, I think, is hosting. So, it, But Nashville already came into LAFC and won. So yeah. what says they don't, don't go into L.A. and the Galaxy and win there? So, Should be um, a tasty one, that. Yeah, for sure. And, and the Galaxy is a team that a lot of people did not give any, you know, another team that people did not expect to be up at the top of the standings. Like we look at the Western conference, you see a lot of teams like Austin FC, LA galaxy up, up in the playoffs. And that's because teams like Portland, Colorado and Seattle sporting, they missed the playoffs. So somebody definitely did uh, with those teams falling apart. These teams did bring up and, and make the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting. It's gonna, it's an interesting playoffs because a lot of these teams, we you know, you don't see normally in the playoffs. There's yeah. no, no, no regular teams that, you know, historically in the playoffs that are regular. So Western Conference is like wide open. Personally, I think it's really LAFCs to lose. Overall. Yeah, I, I think so as well. All, all the playoff games are going to be shown on TSN. The LA Nashville game goes on Saturday at noon. Then Sunday's got Austin hosting RSL at noon. And then that's a 6.30 kickoff, Dallas hosting Minnesota. And... It's, it's three playoff games, I think, that could go either way. And the the last match in, in the West, just to mention that, it was Seattle finished a miserable league season for them with a 2-0 draw to, to San Jose at as home. well. At home. At yeah. home, too. It's just amazing. I don't know like what kind of lineup they put out there. Did they just put all their backups in? Oh, uh, because know. they didn't... Uh, I know uh, um, Stefan Fry didn't play, uh, but I saw that in, in one of the tweets that were on, on Twitter. But I don't know what the rest of the lineup looked like, whether they even started major players. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, like like we said, Seattle. A lot of te- even if you look at the Eastern Conference, a lot of the historical teams that you think are like the strong teams, like uh, you got Atlanta, you know, Toronto, um, Columbus, who I think and New England, who was such a strong team last year. They, mm-hmm. Those all four of those teams are out of the playoffs. So, oh, even yeah, the West, great crazy stuff. Yeah, like who who would have thought Cincinnati? Would be in the playoffs yeah, at this I, point, or Inter Miami the way they played last well. year. Well, that, that's, Inter- always, that's always been your tip. I know, but it, but even <laughs> after how horribly they were last year, they, they actually made the playoffs. Yeah, I, 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 was I did that. not see that. I, I, if you'd said to me, well, yeah, both the Florida teams are going to make the playoffs, I'd be like, oh wow, don't and, see and that you, happening. And honestly, your friend Nancy uh, in Montreal, I think, should get some like shout outs for like coach of the year. Yeah, manager of the year. He, he won't get it. Honestly. It'll be it'll be Steve Chirondolo at LAFC. I'm pretty sure. But I mean, for me, Wilfred Nancy is right up there, and, yeah, and but, Merritt's coach of the year for what he's done. But I, I know what, how we look at it, but this is remember, it's American media that's going to. No, be I, I I totally this. understand that. But on the thing is, like LAFC is supposed to be there at the top. Mm-hmm. Montreal, nobody was expecting, and they're only two points off yeah. the supporter shield. That's what I'm saying. Like I feel like that they that. Like with what they had and everything, they should be considered. He should be considered the top coach. Oh, absolutely. Or manager. We, we won't delve into the the East too much, but how the first round of the playoffs line up there? The Saturday game, nine a.m. Pacific time. It's Red Bulls of New York hosting Cincinnati. I tell you, that's one that I think could go either way. The Cincinnati is a very up and down team, but they've yeah. shown they can come into dangerous environments and come away with something. But the Red Bulls have been there. I think. I think since Seattle missed the playoff, the Red Bulls are the m- most um, known team or yeah, whatever but you want to say. That they've been in the, fuck up in the playoffs. Quite I know regularly they do. Though as well. They do. They make the playoffs, but then they don't do well. In yeah. 
Sunday's game, it's Montreal hosting Orlando. That's a five o'clock kickoff time as well, uh, Pacific-wise. So that's a, that's a good one for us to, to follow along to that. And then Monday's game, it's NYC defending champions hosting your Miami. I, I have a feeling, a lot, a lot of chalk, if you have a feeling. I think I honestly think that four, two, three, four are all going to win in the, in the East. And the West is more up for grabs. Anybody, I feel like any, any, it could go either either way for any of those three matches. Well, Montreal end up finishing second in the East, just two points back of Philadelphia, and as yep. you said, just two points back of the Supporter Shield as well. They had a chance to to finish top of the East as well. They did what they needed to do. They went to Miami, came away with a three-one win, but a, a very understrength that has to be said. TFC side missing some very key players just destroyed by Philadelphia 4-0 this afternoon. Yeah, they did not return the favor from the Voyager's Cup from years ago mm-hmm. uh, um, to Montreal by playing a, a weaker team. Um, I, I honestly think, and, and they're playing Orlando, who left it very late against Columbus to get that win over them because I think a draw would have put Columbus in. And so Orlando's, I think, um, what game was uh, Yeah, 2-1, two, one, two, one, there was a, a penalty in the 84th minute. Yeah, Tor- Torres uh, finished off, and I think obviously that was the clincher yep. for them. In Columbus the would have been in; otherwise, it's like an exciting yeah. end. I, I was checking that to see in between my my semis. I was concentrating on or commentating on today. There was at least seven minutes of stoppage time. I don't know how many ended up getting played, but it went on for a while. But it it's exciting stuff. I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I do like playoff time, and it it can get exciting. It would be more exciting if the Whitecaps were in it, but there's some some good games there. And depending on when the where the MLS Cup is held, if it is in LA, I've always wanted to go down and see their stadium since they've come into the league. I might right. make the little trip down there. I don't know. We'll see well, how it goes. You, Thankfully, we're not playing Austin because I priced the flights for that, and they were eight to nine hundred bucks. Well, maybe it'd be cheaper once in in once they play in November or whenever the game's going to be played because if, if they're hosting it, maybe you could go then. I even uh, looked to see the price of flights from Seattle to Austin because yeah. it's usually cheaper if you do that. They were more yeah. expensive. Oh wow! So everything's definitely jumped up. It fly fly, fly into Vegas and then fly from Vegas to Austin. Maybe that'd be cheaper. Oh, hide a car, drive. Yeah. Um, just to, to round things off, we'll turn our attention to the Canadian Premier League and the four playoff teams were set. It was just positioning that yeah. had to, to get established. And Atletica, Ottawa, two-all draw with York United today. That That's clinched first place for them in the standings. They will host the second... Well, the semi-finals are two-legged affairs. So the higher place team is going to host the second leg. The final is just a one-off affair. So Atletico Ottawa will host the second leg against Pacific FC, who went down to a heartbreaking 1-0 loss to Cavalry FC that had big, big implications for them. That point would have been huge for Pacific. But instead, Cavalry, Ben Fisk, 89th minute winner for Cavalry as well, consigning Pacific to fourth place in the standings. They'll host Atletico Ottawa next Saturday before Ottawa hosts the second leg. If Ottawa gets through that, they will also host the championship game. Not bad for uh, a team just quite new to the, the league still, really, I, I think of them. And then Forge finished second, and they will host Cavalry. Forge coming away today with a, a narrow 1-0 win over Halifax uh, as well. So 
couple of tasty games there. I, I like. I, I really like the matchups. Like it's like almost like you know you got your team that's been in the finals or kind of the top t- two teams like historic i won't say historically but it's only been a couple of two yeah. years for a cpl but forge and calvary in one side and you got two kind of newish up-and-comer teams or whatever and pacific atletico on the other side and i think it's a really good uh combination of teams and, and the it'd be interesting to go i obviously i'd love a calvary pacific final because just because of the west coast uh but it could go anyway with these two teams yeah, it's going to be exciting. Love playoff time. It just gets the juices flowing. And yeah, I think some interesting matchups. I haven't made it over to a Pacific game this season, sadly. And I can't get over for that home playoff game either next Saturday because I'm commentating at UBC. So that's disappointing. And now finishing in fourth, they won't get a chance to host a championship game either. But yeah. wish wish them all the very best. And our good friend Tommy Fielding Jr. as well. Wish him all the very best with, with Cavalry. If Pacific don't win it, I want Tommy to, to lift his first CPL title. And I don't mind if, uh, Athletico winning it either because you got a couple of guys like McKendry and I think Melvin's on the team, if I'm not mistaken. I could be, yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Zach Verhoeven, Ollie Bassett yep. as well, who that we had on the yep. show last year. Lovely guy to, to chat to as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, players that we watched over the years that are uh, spread out. Um, I think Forge even, doesn't Forge have a couple of former Whitecaps, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, uh, yeah, or, well, yeah, they've got uh, Terry Campbell. Terry Campbell, and, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Alessandro Hojapur. And, of course, yeah. don't forget David Edgar's, Edgar's their assistant coach. So loads of Whitecaps connections. With, with yeah, all the for sure. There. Yeah. So it'd be fun to see, like, uh, uh, this playoff roll through I, I every year the cpl is getting better and better with their setup and uh, they just need to add a few more teams make it more interesting and i think if the, the league is on its way well that is pretty much it for this episode of the aft and soccer show but we can't go without playing you this week's wavelength and i, I think i'm gonna continue a theme we do every now and again of just songs about footballers we had a, a good one last week and for this week, I'm going to play a song about a former Russian footballer, capped 33 times for Russia, played his football in Russia, but also had spells at Stuttgart. Shame that Zach's not with us. I'm sure he would bore us with some more Bundesliga chat about when he played for Stuttgart. Also over in England with Fulham and, and Reading as well. So a player by the name of Pavel Pogrobniak has retired from the game, retired in 2021. And this is a song by one of our favourite artists here at AFTN and friend on Twitter as well, Kunten the Gang. And this is their song, My Cousin Looks Like Pavel Pogrebniak. It's not just my opinion, if you see him it's a fact He never wears a football shirt, but one thing of which I'm sure Is every time I see my cousin, he looks like Pavel Moore Every time I see my cousin, he looks like Pavel Moore Pavel comes from Russia, he was signed by Martin Yol My cousin came out my uncle's cock and up my auntie's hole Where he grew into an embryo and out my 
Pavel Pogrebniak Was born a baby that looked like Pavel Pogrebniak My cousin looks like Pavel, Pavel Pogrebniak It's not just my opinion, if you see him it's a fact I've not seen Pavel's family, but wouldn't it be mad If my aunt and uncle looked like Pavel's mum and dad If my aunt and uncle looked like Pavel's mum and dad Studied in Notting and then became an engineer. My cousin's name is Matthew, he doesn't play football. Pavel's name is Pavel, which is Russian for Paul. Pavel's name is Pavel, which is Russian for Paul. My cousin looks like Pavel, Pavel Pogrebniak. It's not just my opinion, if you see him, it's a fact. The resemblance that my cousin bears to Pavel is uncanny. Though being a professional footballer, I bet Pavel gets more fanny. Though being a professional footballer, I bet Pavel gets more fanny. Pavel moved to Fulham from Stuttgart in Germany. Then to Reading on a Bosman, that means there was no transfer fee. My cousin moved to Denmark, that's where his girlfriend's from. Pavel got two goals in Reading's win over West Brom. Pavel got two goals in Reading's win over West Brom. My cousin looks like Pavel, Pavel Pogrebniak. It's not just my opinion, if you see him it's a fact. To see a likeness quite like that, a long way you'd have to travel. Such is the similarity of my cousin to Pavel. Such is the similarity of my cousin to Pavel. That's why I wrote this song, not to deride mock or attack. Just to say my cousin looks like, well it's more than a resemblance. Yes, it's actually quite spooky. He's the absolute dead spit, a carbon copy doppelganger of the footballer Pavel Pogrebniak. Kunt and the gang there from 2021. My cousin looks like Pavel Pogrebniak. Any, any lookalikes in your family that look like footballers? No, I would say no. Not at this point. Mm, don't think any in mine as well. I'm trying to think, but no, I don't I don't see any resemblance. I look like my FIFA 23 player. Well, there you go. We'll, yeah. we'll go with that. But that <laughs> is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. Just before we go, though, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me at twi- on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And I, what I learned today was that it's going to be an uh, interesting off-season for the Whitecaps in the going different uh, avenues depending on the choices they make. Hopefully. It's going to be an interesting off-season. It's one of our favourite times of the year. We have spoken about it before. I feel some of our best shows come in the, the off-season and the pre-season. I really enjoy doing the off-season <laughs> shows. I don't know what that says. Uh, it's because we don't have to talk about the games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that probably is that. But no, we've got lots of interviews lined up, not just from White Cats, but from uh, around... Canadian soccer, MLS, we've got some authors, we've got some musicians, we've got a, an exciting little reveal coming up in a week or two as well in the build-up to the World Cup. So a lot of stuff that we're, we're going to be doing in the coming weeks and months. So don't worry, we'll be having packed shows. You'd expect nothing less. I am Michael McCall. Give me a follow on Twitter at AFT in Canada. I think what I learned this week was... I was disappointed in a way that I couldn't watch the Whitecaps game live because I was commentating up at Newton on the, the boys under-17 Nationals semi-finals and I thought, oh, it's going to kind of spoil it for me. But the way that the game worked out, I'm actually quite thankful that I didn't get to watch it live and 
I had a little bit of a heads up from knowing that they were trailing 1-0 at half time, so it kind of prepared me for the worst. Maybe that's the best way to watch the Whitecaps these days, on delay. We will be back soon with another episode. We'll be kicking off our end-of-season Whitecaps analysis in the next show. Who's in? Who's out? Who's on the bubble? Stuff like that. We'll also do our awards coming up in some future shows. Maybe we'll do that next week as well. We'll see where the action takes us and where the mood takes us. But until then, have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Thanks for spending part of it listening to us. We'll be back soon. Take care and mon the caps. Next year's going to be the year. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E.F.